One of the things I really admire from the Word of God is how realistic it is. If there's something that Scripture acknowledges from cover to cover, is that we live after the fall on a broken world, on a broken planet, where no one is immune from painful emotions. We all get hurt, many times offended, or even humiliated. We have hidden hurts from the past. We carry wounds like battle scars and emotional pain, often more than, than most. And it's interesting to compare because in ancient times, when a person or a people felt offended, quite often their revenge was disproportionate. If you have studied the history of the cultures, there's so much aggression in ancient tribes. But when God started to form a chosen people, when he chose Israel for his, as his own possession, as a sign of his love, he proposed them a higher norm that it was called Lex Talionis. This law introduced a new understanding of justice. This new law entailed that now punishment or revenge was expected always to be proportional to the offense. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And this represented an authentic moral progress. As a sign of God's love, he shared this standard with them. And I don't know you, but I see that this standard, this criteria, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, is sometimes even in me. Like, if you love me, I will love you. If I feel that you attack me, I will attack you. I think it's natural for us that when we feel hurt, we respond with some type of aggression. Some of us connected with our temper, we may have like an active aggression. But as psychology insists, we, many of us respond with the passive aggression, sometimes with silence, sometimes ignoring the other person, sometimes feeling grudges, sometimes just like uh, having bad thoughts about the other person. The other day I was just coming back home driving and the car behind me honked at me. And almost immediately I thought, Lord, give me a chance to honk back. Just one chance. Let me give me the next traffic light and, and, and give me one chance. But it was just a, a second. So although this eye for eye and tooth for tooth standard is much better than reacting in a disproportionate way, this standard is still imperfect. And the reason is because it cannot heal the root of the problem. And that's why today Jesus says, it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. Jesus came to this world to cancel this lex talionis, this eye for an eye, this tooth for a tooth standard, because that way of reacting could never overcome evil. 
Imagine this, if I plucked your eye because you have plucked out mine first, then the world is short of two eyes instead of only one. And if we replicate that behavior, we'll have a society of blind men. So that's why this law could never be the last word. In some way, the people of Israel was at the, at the expectation of a new possibility, a new grace. There, there should be a new way of relating, a, a higher grace. And that is what, why Jesus came to this world. He came to give us and to share with us the most radical and definitive solution against wounded relationships. And that's why he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He came, we could think about Jesus' incarnation this way, he came to conquer and defeat evil, but with an unexpected strategy, not with violence, but with forgiveness. Jesus knew that it takes far more courage, far more selflessness to forgive than to fight violence with violence, evil with evil. It is something super confirmed by different studies that violence is always a sign of weakness. It takes much more strength, much more fortitude to remain quiet or to forgive than to just pay back in the same proportion that we have received. And he did not only teach us about this, but he lived this maxim. If we recall when they were nailing him to the cross and a moment where none of us can imagine how sensitive his soul was because it was the soul of the Son of God, he could feel all the hatred, all the rejection, all the bad intentions, not only of those present, but the whole world, like, like an inverted pyramid that was in his heart. But in that moment, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And we can do ourselves an honest question. Even if Jesus thought about this way of forgiving, even if he gave us the example, is it possible to leave this command? Is it possible really not to offer resistance to the one who is evil? Is it possible in today's world to offer the other cheek to love our enemies, to love those who do not love us or have offended us, us or our family. And I think that we must answer without middle ground. No, it is not humanly possible. So is Jesus asking the impossible? No. The answer is that he came to this world not just to give us an example, but even more important, to give us the grace to equip us, to make it possible to forgive others. That's why this new standard that today we just heard comes connected with a new grace. The norm is no longer what others did to you, do to them, but what God has done for you, do it for others. Because God has forgiven us first, we can forgive. It's my experience that 
Jesus will never ask you to forgive another person more than what he has already forgiven us. And that is, gives such a hope. There is nothing, nothing that anyone can do to us that is less of what Jesus has already forgiven us. So the possibility to forgive, in some way, if you could just describe it, comes in a two-phase movement. The first stage is, before thinking already in the other person that has offended me, the first stage entails looking to myself, remembering who am I, and not only who do I think I am, but who I am in the sight of God. And the answer is that in the sight of God, I am always a son, a daughter of God's mercy. I am a redeemed sinner, someone that has re received undeserved love, someone that has been loved beyond his or her merits. And if we tend to forget this, we need that this must to look at the cross and make it personal, as St. Paul did. He said, Jesus died and loved me personally. He gave himself for me. We need to hear the words of the consecration that today we will hear, this is my body, this is my blood that is given for you. The first step in order to forgive is not to point towards the other person, but to remember who am I. I'm an object of God's mercy, of undeserved gift. And once we, we remember this, we're already given the most important step because the second step is to choose to forgive. The second step entails to freely release the mercy we have already received. To put an image, imagine that the love of Christ, the love from his pure side on the cross, the love in the Eucharist is like a dam full of water, like the Niagara Falls that are upon this roof. And every day we are able to open or do not open the lock and let that water flow. We are free every time we feel offended, every time sometimes hurt us, to allow God's love, God's infinite love, to flow through us or not. So always we have a choice, even beyond our feelings, because typically our feelings are hurt. We don't feel to forgive. But the most important thing Jesus needs is our desire. If we are able to say, Lord, my feelings are hurt, but I choose to forgive. Today I want to start a process of forgiveness. I don't want to respond to this aggression with another aggression. I want to stop this chain of violence. Our whole job is just to unleash the mercy that we have already received. And if you are listening to this and you feel that you are still not ready to start a, a process of forgiveness this night, because today there's a grace store for each one of us. Let me show a testimony that I heard. It's one of the gifts of our missionary life to see so many testimonies of the breakthrough of God's mercy. A couple of years ago, there was a man dying in, in a small town in California. It's called Auburn. 
and he was in the hospital. It was 11 p.m. It was a night with a terrible storm. And the nurse that was on duty, she felt that she had to call a priest. And although this man had not formally asked for a priest, she could tell that probably this man was about to pass away and he needed to at least have that chance. So he called this priest, his name is Far O'Malley. He was the pastor of the closest parish. He lives 30 miles from this hospital. And so imagine like she called him and said, Far, come quickly. There's someone that probably won't last more than maybe tonight. So you need to come. And this Far says that he was doubting of going or not because there was a great storm. The forecast said that there was a flooding coming. The next day he had a packed day, so super busy, but he felt that he had to go. So he arrived to the hospital and the nurse led him immediately to this man's room. His name is Tom. The man was really dying. Faromali approached the room and he just said, you know, they told me that you may want to see a priest. And the priest had already learned how to be very respectful when someone is about to die, how important it is to be very reverent of each person. And so he was waiting quietly for a response. The man opened his eyes and said, get out of here. I don't want to see you. Well, he was not expecting that answer. He went back to the lobby. He was saddened, but not discouraged. He tried again, and again the same response, get out of here. And so the day was dawning, and he had to return to the parish. But he tried for last time, he said, no, I don't have nothing to lose. I will go one more time. So he just said, hey, Tom, you want to talk just a few minutes? And Tom said, you know, take a seat. Like, anyway, I'm about to die, so you can stay. And so Tom opened his heart. He said, Father, I'll tell you my truth, he said. I'm an alcoholic. I have lived alone for a long time. About 30 years ago, one night, I was working as a railroad worker. I was in charge as a mechanic to move the, the rails. And as it, there was a great storm, all the staff came to my small cabin that we were bored. So we started playing games, we started drinking, and we got drunk. And a train had to arrive, and I was responsible for changing the signals. But as I woke up and I was drunk, I made a mistake. So I turned the signals upside down. And so something unexpected happened. The train took a track that should have remained free and hit a car that was crossing. Far in that car, there was a whole family, a father, a mother, and two young sisters. And they all passed away. They all died. And I imagine it was even Christmas. I couldn't forgive myself. So I left, he said, I left everything. I've been living in the mountains as a savage, just drinking and just waiting this life to come to an end. 
There's no forgiveness for me. God, there's no chance God has, can forgive me. And so this man, of course, he was soaked in tears. Imagine this nightmare coming back to him, this sense of guilt. But also Pharaoh Mali was moved. And at one point, he grabbed Tom's hand. He was trembling. He looked to Tom's eyes and he said, Tom, let me tell you something. It is true. In that car that Christmas, there was a father and mother with the two daughters. But there was also a young boy who stayed at home. And I am that boy. And that was my family. And so suddenly he approached to him, he got closer, and he whispered, Tom, in Christ, I forgive you. In Christ, I choose to forgive you. And we can imagine what happened afterwards. This man understood that if that was true, God could forgive him. So he received confession, the anointing of the sick, and peacefully passed away. So this is the power of the sons of God, the power of grace. I am convinced that this priest, Far O'Malley, did not improvise that reaction because that was not a natural but a supernatural reaction. And I'm convinced that he could only do that because he was convinced of the first step, that he is a son of God's mercy. Probably every time he would celebrate mass, he would remember, I am a redeemed sinner. I have been forgiven. And that's why he could share that mercy. He could press the button and share that mercy with Tom. So I invite you to make a decision this mass. This could be our best preparation for Lent. In this mass, make a resolution to forgive whoever may have offended you, even if that person is not longer in this life, if not here, choose this week to forgive. That at this mass we may be able to say, Jesus, because you have forgiven me, I choose to forgive.